Hello, listeners, and welcome to Drunk Book Club, where we read books you may have heard of, but probably didn't bother to read. That's why we're here for you. Hi, everybody. I'm Dorothy. I'm Bry. I'm drunk. We're both drunk. Uh, we're drinking bee stings. Seemed thematically appropriate as the, uh, you know, trashy Renfair classic it is. Did the Renfair invent these? No, but I know a lot of people who drink them at the Renfair. Fair enough. It's the most likely source of mead on tap. It, it is mead Next and... to cider. Yes, that's why you combine them. I will say, listeners, that it's better with Moscato if you're a wimp like me who enjoys garbage sugar drinks. But we are drinking mead, as you may remember from the last time we did this show, because we're reading Terry Pratchett's The Color of Magic, both so that we could lay off of female authors in, you know, bedeviled genres, and so that we could prove that even really good authors sometimes make bad things early in their career. Some of them don't just stick early in their career. Let's face it. Yeah. Some of them manage to suck all the way through their entire careers. Well, yeah, but 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 this is this is for a hope thing. Yeah, but but I mean, what what did we do for Christmas? <laughs> Look, we're all very very sorry that Dan Brown exists and is super famous, but yeah. Yes. So, Terry Pratchett I'm, you all know who Terry Pratchett is, right? You're listening to a book podcast. You know who Terry Pratchett is. You know Discworld. Mm. God help me, I hope you know Good Omens. There's gonna be a miniseries that may or may not suck. It's probably gonna suck. It's probably gonna. I'm still gonna watch it. I'll be upset. I'm still gonna watch it. We'll all be upset. We'll still watch it. Yes, we will. But, yeah, uh... So if you know Terry Pratchett, and you do, listener, you know that he is probably known best for his idiosyncratic writing style. Uh, he's a big fan of wordplay and puns. Footnotes. Oh, footnotes. There's no footnotes in this one, but... More to the pity. Mm-hmm. But, so his prose is as much of a draw as his plots. His cons, though. <sighs> I'm not drunk enough for that. I'm not sorry. I know you're not. You're never sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry sometimes, just not about puns. Yeah. yeah. Um, Color of Much ma- like this book. God. No. Oh. The insurance puns. Okay, those are kind of good. No, they're not. I like stupid jokes like that, that, that are incredibly tortured ways to get, like, talk around a super simplistic natural word. I do. It makes me feel smart. We'll get into that in a minute. <laughs> but, yeah. So, have you read any Discworld at all? You know that longtime fans tell you, for the love of God, don't start with Color of Magic? That's a weird thing to say, because it's the first book. Right. Why would people say such a thing? Well, I will tell you <laughs> that when I was in high school... <laughs> boop. I, I, I read Good Omens first, and then I decided to try some Terry Pratchett. And I like to do things in order before the McElroys broke me. Uh, so I tried to read Color of Magic, and then I didn't pick up a tr- Terry Pratchett book for a decade. Because you concluded that all of the good things in Good Omens must have come from Neil Gaiman. Not true. Not true! There I, was... like, I like and respect Neil Gaiman, and he did a great many wonderful things in Good Omens. Mm-hmm. 
But also. Also. <laughs> Terry Pratchett is brilliant. Yeah, it's why Good Omens has an ending. <laughs> and, and, you know, where all the lighter hope spots come from. Why it's <laughs> I mean. Not just torturously bleak the whole time. War section's real good, but it's definitely a Neil Gaiman part. Yeah. God, so many descriptions. Late 80s Gaiman. Yeah. Uh, if you listen to... Which, again, as a goth, <laughs> I'm contractually obligated to tell you that I own all of Sandman. We've all read Sandman. It's fine. Yes. Well, you know, it, it's the comic that they all tell you, recommend to your girlfriend if she doesn't like comics. Those no. are dumb lists and you should all disregard them. Sandman's good, though. Who the hell gets into the first volume of Sandman if they're not at least a little bit familiar with comics? <laughs> I don't know. It's so fucking ugly. It's really fucking ugly, and also it has DC characters in it. So does the last volume. Yep. I didn't get any of that. Batman shows up at the funeral for It's amazing. Sure. But everybody knows who Batman is. And it's amazing! Batman just at the funeral. Fair enough, <laughs> but... But we're not talking about Neil Gaiman books, because all of the problems with Neil Gaiman books are not neatly contained in a single volume. Right, you, you can't point to one thing as the exemplar of all the problems. Like, Gaiman has problematic shit here and there throughout. Um, even when he's being progressive, he often falls over, but whatever. Mm. Pratchett, though, this book is like a crystallization of every mistake he could possibly make in one place. I should, we should mention we if love you, Pratchett. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't listened to our other podcast, we did an episode on the Hogfather adaptation that we quite liked. Uh, but It made all of us cry. Yep. Like, we're both Discworld fans, but we haven't read all of it. Um, I've mostly read the Guards books and some standalones. I, I've dipped in and out of a lot of them. I haven't read the Guards books, but I hear they're excellent. They're very good, and that's why this book was upsetting. I, I've dipped in and out of the uh, the Academicals ones, which are alternately amusing to me as an academic, and also infuriating and obnoxious. It's one joke, babe. They're, they're so... Yeah. It's one joke. How are there multiple books about them? I don't know. They're so fucking annoying. But, like, the truth is amazing. Um, yes. Monstrous Regiment may be one of my all-time favorite books The ever. witches are really good. There's some really cutting and insightful commentary in all of his books. They're all pretty much, from 90 onward, devoted to saying things. Mm-hmm. Brilliant like, things. Things about life. Humanity, gender, race, philosophy. He, he tragically passed away before he could really nail the genders. Like, much as I love and adore Monstrous Regiment and it's him starting to get a grip on, on gender shit, he never made it. I, I mean, he certainly did a lot of stuff with the women's lib. Yes. Yes, many strong female character. Which, like, I don't even necessarily mean in a derogatory Derisive. way. Like that, they they also all feel like rounded people. It's just, but there is always the one, uh huh, the one one sane person who happens to be a beautiful young woman who's more practical than everybody else. Yes, and absurdly competent, and they're always very likable, and I like them. But there is always one, which goes into that weird like femininity pedestal thing that I feel like a lot of male feminists fall into. Mm -hmm. That sort of trap. Yeah, I mean. 
That's her weird self-apologetic thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, the Garza books have, like, Cheery and Angua, but I can't go down the rabbit hole that is Cheery Little Bottom because I'll get depressed. I think we would need to read that book sober and talk about it. Yeah. And write about it. Yeah, so if those, if all the good, nice ideas books are 1990 and after, Color of Magic is 1983. It's this a long wait. This is pretty good omens. This is... <sighs> It's his first novel, right? I mean, it's the first Discworld book. Is it also his first it, novel? I think it's his first novel. It's definitely the first Discworld book, and... It's just a short story collection. It's a short story collection strung together into a novel. And it just, it's mm. just him doing a proof of concept on his world that he's thought a lot about the mechanics of, and the absurdity of, and... Well, the first story is that. The, the, with the long-ass digressions into the mechanics of how time is kept on... Mm-hmm. A flat world. Well, and it spends all that time in Ankh-Morpork, the, the only one of these settings that we spend any amount of time in. in, in and then it burns books. down. Yep. And then the whole thing burns down, but don't worry, it's back in later books. Yep. No, I want you to tell the listeners about the magical time that you read this book at a book club. A, oh. a real book club. Oh my god. With god. people who don't read fantasy. God... So, here's the thing. When I was in my teens, fantasy had boobs. Like, like fantasy was books that had the suggestion that boobs happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen. So, I read a lot of really garbage fantasy. Like, there were never dongs. There was sex, but somehow dongs never came into the picture. And a lot of breasting boobily. Yeah. So, like. Yeah, you know, understandable. There might be sex. But no dongs. No, no dongers. For dongers, you have to go into uh, into the romance category, and and we hate and revile them because they are not serious like fantasy. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry. If anyone has ever met me. <laughs> but anyway, so because of this, I built up a large and embarrassing sort of background knowledge from ages about 11 to 20 of just sort of garbage fantasy, especially because at the time, you know, my family was really poor. So I bought all of my books from the local used bookstore for pennies on the dollar, meaning that they were all from the 70s and 80s. They were all old books for cheap, specifically the ones people were willing to let go of after reading. So fast forward until I'm um, in my late 20s in a graduate program. You know, English. And my department head says, Hey, you seem perfect for this book club that I've been running off and on for the past few years. You seem like you'd really fit in. Sketchy. This woman, she was a nice woman, but every year at the beginning of the semester, she would uh, circulate long chains of of, uh, articles on how the entire concept of trigger warnings is ruining academia. One year, I bothered to uh, respond with an extensive explanation of my own past, you know, how that informed my position on trigger warnings and academia and fandom and everything. And she circulated it to the department. And then the next year, we've learned nothing. Yeah. Still put out the same list of articles on how trigger warnings are bad and dangerous. But, you know, she's the department head and I really want to, you know get on well and bond and stuff. So she she invites me to this book club. First we read Peyton Place. And then we read this... We're doing that in the future, by the way. I demand 
Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's, if you want to read about uh, incest and abortions. What about my face t- tells you that I expect Peyton Place to be good? I just expect it to be enthralling. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. And then we read this shitty story about a witch who is a librarian and and gets forcibly married by a vampire who time travels. I don't know. It was crap. I hated it. But anyway, by the third book, I had realized that nobody but me was actually reading these books. They were all just um, an excuse to meet up, drink wine. And and my department head's uh, place was up in the fucking hinterlands of the East Coast. Like, just up in the mountains. You had to drive for about an hour for me to get up there through darkened roads that had no streetlights in the middle of the night. Because, of course... And then everybody would get drunk, and then I'd have to worry about having to try and drive home with a bunch of drunk people on the road also. It's an adventure. So anyway, by the time the third one was uh, Color of Magic, I was like, okay, this is my thing. I've read Terry Pratchett before. I've got this. In fact, listeners, she had not. (laughs) (laughs) So I read it, and I came to the book club, and everybody there started immediately shitting on the fantasy genre and how impenetrable it was and how much they hated it and how it was confusing and dumb. And I was like, sitting there like, yes, yes, this book is confusing and dumb. However, you would not be shitting over it the way you are if you understood that it's literally a travelogue through every major subset of fantasy writing from the late 70s and early 80s. Like, if you had context, you would at least be complaining about it as something other than, gosh, this sure is dumb. Listeners, this is the part where I tell you that I read almost no high fantasy as a teen. Uh, my, my qualifications for reading things as a teenager is, is it gay? So the only high fantasy I really read was... Well, then why, why didn't you read Jack, Dragon Riders of Pern? Did I don't I? know how the fuck I missed that. But It I, had boobs and ass rape, and once you get ass raped, then you're gay. Jesus, we're going to have to talk about Anne McCaffrey someday. But I, oh, we're going to have to talk about it tonight. Oh, boy. Yeah, I, I read Mercedes Lackey's gay, uh, Herald Mage trilogy, which is the one with the tragic gays, and I that's about it. that one. Oh, they're not good. Uh, they're not good, but I was they're thirsty. They're not, but I was desperate. reading them. Same. Hard same. I mean, I definitely may have drawn fan art with Vanyol and Louis standing next to one another. Good, good. I can't draw. I must emphasize this. But I can't draw. And I couldn't even more back then. <laughs> I-, I will say that it was at the same time that I discovered Swords Point, a much a book that is much too good to be on this podcast that you should read. I like Ellen Kushner very much. Her weird attachment to tragedy when it's not necessarily needed, notwithstanding. Blind and dead. It's fine. They were ghosts together. It was good. It was okay. Stop looking at me like that. But, so, I absolutely needed Dorothy next to me while I was reading this book. As they yelled. I yelled a lot, uh, because this book has not aged well. I'm sure This it- book is not a book. It's not a novel. I'll put it that way. It builds more upon the late 1800s, early 1900s genre of the travelogue, mm-hmm. in which a character journeys through various locales, traditionally Europe, and um, in each place encounters experiences and cultural differences that allows them to build their own philosophy. Like fucking Gullivall just travels, right? Well, I, that's a fantasy example, but yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Look, which end do you break your soft-boiled egg? Why? Somebody didn't read Gulliver's Travels. <laughs> no. No, I read an excerpt with the little Puttians and nothing else, like every other God-fearing American in English class. You mean you didn't watch the Disney version? Fuck no. <laughs> I just watched Ichabod Crane over and over again. Lilliputians, by the way. I watched Gravity Falls and I'm drunk. I like my version better. But but that that was why it was a pun in Gravity Falls, is because they're at the putt putt course. So so putt. Things occur in the order in which I perceive them. <laughs> We've talked around this book a lot. There's surprisingly little meat on it, is the thing. Yeah, this is not the deep and meaty conceptual Terry Pratchett of his later books where he's grappling with morality and society and and a godless universe that nonetheless supports life and idealism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and things that make us cry about pig Santa. Uh, yeah, so that's that's where I wanted to start is that, you know, people tell you to come back to this book later if you're going to read all of Terry Pratchett uh, once you already have a fondness for the series. But honestly, having read other Pratchett first made the first segment in Ankh Morpork really fucking weird because... The world building is fine. It hasn't changed much. But the char- the couple characters who recur later that show up here aren't right. They're not right. Death is way too fighty. Like, like death is mad about shit. Why is death mad about shit? Death got time. Death is time. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. He's like death out of a Looney C- Tunes short. Where he's here to fucking kill people. Uh-huh. As though people don't kill themselves. Right, which, like, it builds to that by the end of the book, but it's weird. And Death is one of my favorite characters. I There are two versions of Death that I really love reading about, and it's Sir Terry's and it's Neil Gaiman's. They are both very good. They are, they are both really good examples of the empathy of Death, and that's not here yet. Yeah, here Death is operates very differently. And, like, the other one is the patrician is in this book, and Vetinari is probably one of my favorite Discworld characters, and by the time the guards books roll around, he's basically David Xanatos. No matter no matter what you've done, he has a plan, and you are playing into it, and it's awesome, and he and, and the Vimes family are an excellent OT3, and I will fight every goddamn one of you. But here he's kind of weaselly, like, He's Weasley. Weasley. Yeah, and it's not... He's just like a Weasley politician. Uh Uh-huh, yeah, he's not really the character yet, and it's deeply unsettling. And, like, he's in charge of things, but he is not, like, the guiding Mm -hmm. ethos of Ankh-Morpork so much as it can be politically. Mm -hmm. Because Ankh-Morpork, as it later develops, is is an entity of itself. Right, and he's basically the, the... He's basically the only one who knows exactly how much shit you have to allow to keep it all spinning. He he is possessed of basically a godly amount of understanding. Of corruption. Uh-huh. And it's very good, and I love Vetinari so much, and this is not him. This is just the patrician, some guy, which is disappointing. Maybe he was inhumed and then Vetinari took the job. I like this. This is acceptable. It's probably not right, but I like it. I'm sure that extensive flowchart can tell us. Oh my god. Discworld fans, I love you. But you're also very scary. Uh-huh. It's really intimidating. There are multiple flowcharts for what order to read the books in based on what you're interested in. Mm-hmm. 
They're very frightening. I'm impressed and I respect what you've done. I mean, I'm the person who always has to do math in fandoms and figure out, you know, contextually and timeline-wise what things are. That's me. Just not with this world and it scares me. You know what I will say is that if you step back far enough, the very, very basic idea for this book in 1983 is good. Like, it's clever. But it was entirely above himself. It was above anybody's self. It shouldn't have even worked. No, but... Because the idea that he articulated about it was, I want it to be the blazing saddles of high fantasy. And, like, blazing saddles shouldn't be the blazing saddles of anything. No. Blazing saddles is lightning in a bottle. No one can ever... No. To aspire to do blazing saddles is failure waiting to happen. Yeah, no, it's... Like, this is not an incisive political treatise on the fantasy novel. What it is is a really clever idea of, of dropping a tourist into genre fiction. That's fucking brilliant. Yeah. But but again, so much of it depends as he takes takes Two Flower on a tour through all of the different subgenres of fantasy from the late 70s and early 80s. It depends on you knowing all of the things that he's making fun of each time they wander into a new book. Right. This is not a... a well, it kind of, some... The, the Anne McCaffrey section kind of works on its own. It, because, like, you know. The Prune the Barbarian section almost works. The Lovecraft section almost works. But not really. None of it really works right. if you don't. Well, but, like, with Barbarian fantasy, like, I never read any, but I am familiar with the pop cultural osmosis of it enough to have gotten something out of that section. So, like, some of them work if you are broadly familiar with fantasy. Stuff like, um,. From the Barbarian only work if you know the specific work he is talk he he's making fun of. Yeah, and I mean he's he's talking back to decades of genre work. Like this is stuff that goes back to the twenties and thirties, all the way through the seventies. Yeah, it's like he's talk he's walking you through the whole pantheon of existing high fantasy. Mm-hmm. This is insider and, nerd shit and how fantasy crosses over with horror mm-hmm. at the time because. You know, in the the 20s, 30s, 40s, there was more plasticity between those genres before they forked after Lord of the Rings. Which is the saddest thing of all, because I like horror novels. And then there's sci-fi fantasy that grew up through the 60s and 70s. Yeah. Is there supposed to be Dune shit in here? It feels like there's some Dune shit in here. You're you're reading that off McCaffrey's stuff. No. McCaffrey's later books reveal that the entire uh, weird structure and dragons and everything are actually the products of science because they're um they're a human colony that time forgot Fine. and they and um they lost their science so all the magic is actually lost technology that's fucking dumb that's yeah yeah i hate those books yeah but so to take the terry pratchett route and go at least a little bit chronologically um <laughs> i know i know so there's this wizard named Rincewind, and he got kicked out of the academy, and he fucking sucks, except he knows one spell that will end the world if he ever says it. And this is, well, no, it might. We don't actually know whether that'll happen, but there's a percentage chance. Right. That's the only spell he knows, and that's why he was thrown out of the academy, because he went and looked at a thing. And so he runs across a tourist from the other side of the disc on which this universe operates. I assume that Two Flower is supposed to be Asian. Oh, no. With the com- with, with with the camera and stuff, it, I, I'm not sure, but I think that's 
the stereotype that Pratchett's playing with at the time. It might be German, because it, it might be the German tourist who is pretty obnoxious, because he has a German name in the in the one al- alternate reality segment. Hmm. And German tourists are also known for taking a lot of photos. Hmm. But, but either way. Let me assume that it's the Germans. We can make fun of the Germans all day long. I will make fun of Germans. Yeah. You're silly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. In the he so Rincewind is charged to look after this asshole, and they wind up on the run from Ankhmore Pork. Also with the luggage. There's living luggage, and it's that's terrifying. It's even scarier in the miniseries. Ah, uh, yes. Which you, you Sean Astin and I pla- not. Sean Astin plays to a flower in the miniseries, and the luggage is horrifically computer animated. It's this is fitting. It's extremely upsetting and ugly. No, but this is this is fitting and good. They give it like ten thousand tiny feet, tiny cartoon feet. Oh, all I wanted to do was compliment the mini series, which I haven't seen, but sounds nice. It's, it's it, it it handles the whole structural bullshit better. Like the entire thing is episodic, so the mess is more easily contained. I, I mean, I would hope so because it was for the twenty fifth anniversary of the book, so like it had time to figure that shit out. <sighs> Who played Rincewind? I don't fucking remember. Some guy. Got Some it. Dude. Some dude. It's directed by Jean Vadim. Yeah, yeah. Guy who did the Hogfather stuff. And nothing else. But, like, he did it well. But he did those really well. Like, he was the perfect person for the job. Stepped up. Did it. So, to my knowledge, the first section in Ankhmore Pork, where Rincewind is showing Tuflower around, and Pratchett is showing off his neat world building that he sure would like to do some more books about. That's and, and gosh, we've got some silly puns here. I don't hate the puns. I'm so I'm sorry. I have an atavistic reaction to puns in shitty, um, in shitty snide white guy fantasy. Because I spent a lot of time reading Pierce Anthony I was as about a teenager. To, you were burned by the sketchy pedophile. Yes. But that's not this book's fault. The sketchy nudist pedophile. Mm-hmm. Libertarian. It's not this book's fault, but it is the association I get. And I'm pretty sure that it's sort of where Pratchett got the idea that packing as many puns into a single page as possible. <laughs> wow, alliteration. Ha. Okay, but. Is, is a marketable decision that's a good idea. But you have, like, what is it? Reverberated sound of an underground is a good pun for economics. Economics. That's a good pun. Stop no, looking at isn't. me like that. It's, it's funny. A, I, I'm i the person who's always there for, for performers who take a long walk to a joke, but it flattens on the page. I mean, it, some of them don't land because they're a little bit too obtuse, which is the problem with like the- insurance. No, I thought that one, like, I, I caught I felt into like that one insur- pretty quick. I felt like the insurance one was leaning too hard on, gosh, there's a made-up language here. Right, well, well, yeah, it's definitely the rough, like, this is the club work of his stand-up that he will perfect in later books. But, like, the general idea of that kind of bullshit, I like. That, that these mundane things exist in a fantasy world, and what is the effect of them being there? The effect of insurance existing in a fantasy world is somebody immediately discovers the concept of insurance fraud. Is, is the biggest indication of how his books will later develop, where he will, where he will very deftly insert a single concept from our world yeah, yeah, what into the classic high fantasy setting and be like, okay, now what are the ramifications in fast speed? 
Yeah, actually, that's um one of the. There's a whole guards book dedicated to that. Uh, Men at Arms is entirely about a gun existing in a fantasy world, and nobody knows what to call it or why it's dangerous. Um, the truth is really, really good because it's about the concept of uh, the printing press is introduced and is used immediately not uh, for the Bible, but for mass media communications of news. So immediately you get into what are new the news ethics, what is journalism, how do any of these things work? But what in about like, ethics? In like a month and a half. Why is it not okay that this other paper is publishing all these stories about cow mutilations? Why is that a problem when it sells? Later Pratchett books are good. Yeah, later Pratchett books are fucking brilliant. And this is the seed of that. But it's not well done here. No, it's not. Like, I think the end, there's... Because Two Flower, the tourist, is an insurance salesman. And that's how he made his money, but he's from the far-off land of... He, he's Hubward. I don't actually remember the name of the isle, except that gold is a the, commodity uh, there. The Agatean Isles. Hmm. The Agatean Empire. And they're much richer than Ankh-Morpork. But the insurance thing doesn't really play out anywhere later. Um, the luggage exists basically as a MacGuffin that follows these characters around and can kick anything to death to save them from... Uh, from dying before absolutely necessary. Pretty much. The, the luggage is a magical item made from a living tree, which has a thousand tiny feet and will run after its owner and kill anything that... Yeah, so the insurance thing is a cute conceit and a plot device, but not really thematically developed, like it will be when he matures as a writer. Right. It's not a through line for the whole book. In this case, it's just an excuse to set on more pork on fire. Yep. So they set it on fire and they get out of town. And then I was starting to finally get into the groove of how things work. And then that story ends. And another one starts up. A completely different fucking story with entirely new fucking world building. And he but, but the same two characters blunder into it. Mm-hmm. The reason that high fantasy is not for me is I do not care for the long segments of world building. Like, I don't care. Give, drop me into a character and let me experience things that way. Yeah, if you're going to do world building, I prefer to have it through the lens of the character and not through the lens of a narrator, generally. It's really boring and I don't care. It usually, and God damn you, Tolkien. It usually is really boring. I mean, I like it from, say, Douglas Adams, who is, I think, probably the author Pratchett is most often mm-hmm. compared to, you know, British satirist. You know, Adams tends to use a very specific device when world building Mm -hmm. in a voice. And he has a very fruity voice. Not unlike Daniel Handler as Lemony Snicket. I was about to say, yeah. Which we're not going to get into Handler's many excesses here. But like in terms of a voice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like there has to be a reason that that you want to spend time with the author, basically, info-dumping at you and not the characters. Yeah, like, there has to be a reason why we're suddenly getting this chunk of information that if we exist in the world, we should already know. And if the world is aware that we're not part of it, why is it talking to us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's this a- is my same problem with, with epistolary novels. Yeah, Dracula and Color Purple are my only two poles for epistolary novels. Yeah, but, but like, if you've had to read, like, The Coquette... Oh, yeah. No, you've read a lot of shit epistolary novels. I don't deny this. Yeah, I've had to read pure epistolary novels, and they kill me. Because why are you telling this person you're writing to all this shit? (laughs) And, um, so the second story, which starts all over again, is about uh, fate and the lady gambling, and then we drop back into... And basically they're gambling on what dumb shit Rincewind and Two Flower will get into. Mm Mm-hmm. Basically. 
recall these gods being much around in lighter this world. Not to, like we may. I mean, I haven't read Small Gods, so it, they might show up again. But I don't remember them in any of the books I have read. Yeah. So this next section is it entirely Eye of Argon with a little bit of Lovecraft, or am I missing another fantasy novel? No, no, it's it's not Eye of Argon. I mean, that's what I compared it to because I know you've read Eye of Argon. No, I've heard people talk about Eye of Argon, which is better than having to read it. But but yeah, um, basically the the Conan and the Krull stories are part of the same universe as Lovecraft's stories. No, one. Yeah. yeah no. But, yeah, those are all the same verse. They all use the same set of gods and uh, and mythos and everything. No, I hate it. So that's why you're getting vibes of both barbarian novels and Lovecraft aspects. Because those are, in fact, all the same thing. Oh! Conan exists in the Lovecraft verse. Oh my god! I'm dying! You didn't know that? <laughs> I'm dying! <laughs> Dorothy has murdered me in cold blood and I need whatever the hell is in that bottle. No, you don't. Oh, it's Jim Bean. Do you think they'll sponsor us? No. After no. I choke on this? I Sorry, I, I need my forgetting stick. <laughs> While I forget that Conan the Barbarian... I actually don't know why I'm upset. Howie is a racist motherfucker and everybody who's written his verse afterwards did it better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, that's that's why you're getting the existential horror and the barbarian fantasy in the same place, because those all tie together. Also, it's the second worst part of the book. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. There's dryads. Hamadryads. It's a Dungeons and Dragons module, yes. Yes. But yeah, like a 70s era Dungeons and Dragons module, so like... I'm not sure AD&D had come out yet, but it was still super offensively gendered. It's mega gendered, and also it's very just go through dungeon, get prize, move on. Yep. Fight boss. Yep. It's not interesting, and I hated it. Yeah. But a lot of mechanics about how the world is turning and and Mm -hmm. how um, daylight and nighttime work in a world that... uh... So, we forgot to mention. So Discworld... People know about the turtle. Discworld is a flat disc traveling through space on the back of four rotating elephants, which walk in circles on the back of a turtle named the Great Atuan. And all around the, uh, the edge of the world is a sea, which pours out into space. And this all exists because the gods wanted to create something so absurd it shouldn't exist, but it does. And way over the fuck on the other side of the world from Ankh-Morpork, where we started, are some scientists that want to get a look at the turtle's butt. Contrary to my initial belief, this comes from the saying, turtles all the way down, and did not originate that saying. (laughs) I'm not very smart. No, but that's the thing, is... Pratchett makes a lot of things seem like he came up with them, when in fact he's riffing them. Yeah, He's riffing off of them. Because he's a smart motherfucker. He's very, very smart. This is like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but for shitty fantasy. <laughs> yes. As opposed to, to shitty novels from the 19th century. It is a mashup. Also, that the- exists at least half just to show off the elegance of the author's own knowledge of the genre. Yep, it's not quite fan fiction, but it's almost there. 
Yeah. Very much of it exists to d- demonstrate cleverness on the part of the writer. Which gets a little obnoxious really quickly. And I mean, Pratchett mellowed a lot in his old age, but I bet he was a shitty atheist at the time this was written. Like, the, the shitty version. Mm-hmm. Like right. my dad. He became a mellow, cool atheist later in his life, but like, I bet- But I bet as a young man, when he was writing this, he, he was kind of that shitty atheist. Mm-hmm. I speak only on my own authority of knowing that guy. Yep. I think we've all met that guy. It's my dad. If you haven't met that guy, you may be that guy. Adjust your trilby. Check whether the brim's too tight. (laughs) Check the katanas on your wall. We have a katana. (laughs) Yes, we do. (laughs) The fact that we bought it for a dollar doesn't change the fact that we own it. (laughs) It's green. (laughs) So the only really... It came with two green kunai. Important part of this section <laughs> is that it adds a character who sticks Prune. around for half the from the barbarian no relation to conan god i hate that i know that now but- conan the librarian is the best parody though i would read that this is why i have to show you uhf you can see conan the librarian i would read the fuck out of that no you wouldn't have to read it because conan would help you find a book that's good I believe in Conan's ability to help literacy. And also make people be quiet. Permanently. (laughs) (laughs) See, this is why I have to show you UHF. Good. So the next section is the Anne McCaffrey section, and it is the second best. No, I would think, I I said, I think it's the second best after the Ankh-Morpork pork section. Did we mention, well, it's all part of the written part. There's a necromancer. It's dumb. Necromancer? Oh my god, I forgot that there was a necromancer. The sexy titty lady and the skeleton. There's a necromancer. It's vaguely Lovecraftian. Yep. Again, that's why you were getting Lovecraft vibes off the barbarian section. Yeah, it wasn't good. The next bit's not good either, but at least it kind of... It's more of a story than anything else, but it's still really shitty. Yep. I do enjoy the idea of dragons as gas bags that explode. That will also be used in the guards books in a much better way. Dragon sanctuary for the win. Why do they need a sanctuary when they're imaginary? No, these are the small dragon vulgaris. That is also actually directly taken from the McCaffrey books. Oh, he used it better. Yeah, because the McCaffrey books have the big real dragons and also the small tiny ones. No, the small shitty dragons are the only ones that are real. And Sylvie takes care of them. And they're Uh, very good. I approve of small shitty dragons. Like, there are at least vaguely clever things in this section. You had to stop and ask me, why do these names have exclamation points in the middle? Because, like, that's something so obvious it has to be a potshot at something. But I didn't know what because I haven't read Anne McCaffrey. Yep. So explain the shitty ten-peg books, babe. So, when you become a dragon rider in Pern... Uh, your name gets shortened, they take out a syllable, and put an apostrophe in there, and that's how they know you you a badass big dick motherfucker. You are a badass big dick motherfucker, because the only people without dicks who ride on dragons are queens, but they just exist to be raped by whoever's dragon is strong enough to, uh, to rape their lady dragon, which is the only lady dragon except for the sterile lady dragons that are ridden by dudes. But those ones get raped by other dude dragons, but they're sterile. But uh, the rider is still, you know. So what I'm hearing is this is... Uh, there's a psychic link between rider and dragon. Uh-huh. So so when your dragon gets raped, you get raped. So what I'm hearing is this is Red Sonia, but even shittier? Oh, there is no option to it. 
no, no, this isn't like an if you can defeat me, I'll fuck you thing. It's you huh. getting right by somebody. Right. And, and then they're your husband. Cool, 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 cool. But, you know, you get to be queen of the weir and pour water at meetings. You get to pour the water jug at meetings. Cool, 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 cool. And again, if you're a dude who rides one of the sterile chick dragons, the green ones or the blue ones, the blue ones and green ones fuck one another. One color is has penises and one color has vaginas. And if you bonded with one of the ones with vaginas, guess what? You're getting it up the ass. I and now you're gay forever. Did not think that, that was how genetics work. But what do I know? But but the only ones that lay eggs are the, the gold dragons that are the only ones that a lady rides. This is And this dumb. is all science fantasy, but because it turns out this is a lost human colony in space. I hate it. Thank and all you. of the dragons exist because they were genetically engineered to burn away the thread that falls from space and burns things. And they can only um, blow flames after they eat a special mineral. Then and rice, and I and did not also think they that can, was possible. And also, they can teleport through space and time. But if you do it too often, um, you lose your fertility. If you if you have ovaries, you know it's very sad when you, as the protagonist, have that happen. But you know, really vile, bad women deliberately teleport for longer periods of time to try and get rid of their fertility, and that makes them bad and vile. Cool. This is the section that has the parody lady from every fantasy, the cover of every fantasy novel you've ever seen in the used book rack. She is the lady in chainmail. The chainmail bikini. Oh, yes, she is. And the, the. I have seen rules written for her outfit for D&D campaigns <laughs> where there's an, an entire additional armor class added because what the fuck are you wearing? <laughs> the conceit of this is that dragons aren't the true dragons aren't actually real people are just imagining it because they're in this dimension hallucinogenic where, right well, well, like it's the weir yeah yeah magic is the the walls of magic are thin so you can make shit real if you think about it hard enough and you can see just you can see terry just scrambling to not make this a gendered thing but you know the thing he's making fun of is so well but like yeah i guess but does that does that I don't know that that excuses it. No, no, I don't think it excuses it. I, I think it's part of why it's fucked up and dumb. Because, like, Barbarian Lady is trying to seduce from the Barbarian. So that he will bump off her brothers and she can inherit. But, like, why is that a problem? Why can't she just kill them? Oh, I meant, no, I meant, well, that too. But I meant more the problem that, like, she isn't good enough at imagining to make a really badass dragon. And don't worry, neither are her, her brothers. It's not a gender thing. But, like, two flowers really good at it, though. It's kind you of know, a gender like, thing. Like, you know, if you went by who has to imagine things, I would expect that to be the other way around. Like, like on a scale of people who have to imagine things to be tolerable. But that's just me. Ow. <laughs> Did I get too dark there? Too dark. This is why transformative fiction and transformative fandom exists separate from curatorial fandom. Because the type of people who get things out of curatorial fandom don't have to imagine differences. There's dragon fighting. By now, Rincewind has gone from being just kind of a general cowardly asshole to being the the worst fucking character ever written. Yeah, I was going to go with the shitty, relatable everyman who nowadays would be played by Martin Freeman. But yours is the same thing, basically, so... He would definitely be played by Martin Freeman now. Like I said, um, 
Two Flower was played by Sean Astin in the 2008. So, definitely evidence there. Yeah, he kind of sucks. Um, not because, like, not because he's the pragmatic everyman who exists to be baffled at, at Two Flower's, you and know, at the ladies' movies. Right. Also, every one of these stories splits these two characters up and they have to get back together, not because they give a shit about one another or anything, just... And yet, I would still... Because that's how the plot structure say. I would still bet you a dollar that they're a pretty popular ship. Uh, and I was about to say, and I don't ship them. No, they don't really have any chemistry because they don't really like each other. They're just kind of stuck together. And not in a hate-fucking way. No, they just kind of exist around each other and happen to be going in the same direction. And one of them will be killed if the other one dies. Because patricians say so. Because reasons. Dragon fights happen. This is where we lose run out of the plot. Because Froon has found tits, so. So, like, now he's gonna exist with the tits and it's fine. It's whatever. Because Froon is very heterosexual. Froon, the man who travels about uh, in a loincloth and just wants people to take pictures of him. Okay, but the photography demon is one of those things that, like, actually is fairly fully formed in this novel. Yeah, and it's pretty cute. Yeah. But, but like, that that's Froon's whole motivation for hanging out with these two, is that they take beefcake shots of him. I mean... Again, he's very heterosexual. Extremely interested in these titties. Chainmail bikini titties. Yep. And then that story ends and we start another fucking story with another fucking set of world building. And it's the worst part of the book. I hate it. Thank you. (laughs) You know, I've got all these other books here we could be reading. Like, uh, Wise Guy Punk, Freshman Fantasies, Max in Makeup, Two into One... All of these books we bought from the porn store that are classic, you know, 70s pulp that we could be reading instead. We could be doing that. They have penises on the cover. But that would be more fun. And on the back, they have drill dicks. Yep. Ads for women, which is definitely what the readers of these books are looking for. Vagina phone sex. You're trying to distract me from finishing this stupid book. Like, the thing about the Anne McCaffrey parody section is it's kind of fucking dumb, but it also is more or less a climax. Then we keep fucking going. (laughs) But again, like, if you don't know what the fuck these things are riffing on, there's nothing funny there. Okay, but this last section is the one I kind of assumed was Dune-related because of the hydrophobic wizards. Sandworms. I don't know. Sandworms. But, okay, then what the hell is this last section about besides space? Epic conceptual fantasy. Fine. They wind up almost- It's probably something specific, but that one I haven't read. Okay. Yeah, they almost go over the edge of the disc, but instead they get captured by wizards and they're going to be a sacrifice. And and these wizards are the one that, from way the beginning of the book, want to look at, uh, at God's genitals. Yes, we need to know- God forbid we don't gender something. We have to gender God by their genitals. Yeah, that's, well, obviously that's the, it's not the only way. I can't even finish that drunk. <laughs> I'm too tired. I'm too fucking tired of dumb fucks on the internet. <laughs> and yes, on the one hand, this is supposed to be about how dumb that is. But on the other hand, Pratchett does insist on giving us an answer for feminism. Feminism. The doctor was a woman, you fools! <laughs> Tell me all your thoughts on God. Fuck that guy. Cause I'd really like to meet her. <laughs> God. So, so yeah, they want to look at the turtle snatch. As though a cloaca is gonna tell you shit. So, so Rinse went into flower. So, so they want to make 
it's not an aeronaut or a cosmonaut or an astronaut. What what is the word? I don't know. It's a fucking shit, babe. It, it's a dumb word. But basically, they have built a basket for to dangle somebody down and look under the turtle's tail. And they have decided to sacrifice two people because then fate will bless their voyage. Because they believe in both these things at once. Yes. Superstition and science. Do you see? Shut up. How hypocritical our society is. Shut up, 23-year-old Terry. You're a shit. I have no idea how old he was. I'm going to assume. That sounds right. Because see how dumb it is to be trying to do science while you're still so bound by these dumb theological concepts. I'm an atheist, just so you know. Just. And God, this is the the, the cringiest 20-year-old atheist dude who took a philosophy course stuff. Yeah. Like, it's briefly a little bit clever because these are the kind of meta bits where they briefly fall into another universe. and, And they become... Two guys in our universe on a plane that's going down. Because Tuflar is so good at imagining them not being in peril that he imagines them into our world. Yep. But it it's so weirdly derivative of Adams at that point. Mm-hmm. Like, it very much feels like a, a Douglas Adams story slid in. Kind of, yeah. The infinite probability. Yeah, very much like that section. Yeah. But, like, it's, it's and again, interesting I, and neat. I love both of these authors, but it definitely feels like one was cribbing off the author. Yeah. Or the other. But. And yes, this whole book is cribbed off other things. I don't know why I'm calling it out, except <laughs> that Pratchett matured into an author of the caliber of Adams. And so it's uncomfortably awkward to see him. He, he became a better author than Douglas Adams. I'm sorry. Don't look at me like that. Adams was earlier, so his stuff has has clunkier elements, but I don't think that the one could exist without the other. That's fair. I mean, there is definitely stuff in Adams's work that by the time Pratchett came onto the scene became more refined and was better thought through and more sophisticated, but... Yeah, fair enough. But I think they're on equal status as thinkers Mm. for their times. They're they're slightly divergent times. Like, there was a lot of overlap, but... I mean, I didn't really care for Hitchhiker's Guide as a book that was mostly jam-packed with ideas, and I couldn't really connect with the characters, but I am on a lonely island with that opinion. A very lonely island. No, no, I'm waiting to see how you reference your way out of this hole. I I have nothing for that. They end up on the ship, and they, gl- they go over the edge. A ship? Or... A boat. She's staring at me so intensely, <laughs> listeners. And she looks so fucking pleased with herself. It's a ship and you know it. And that should be the end of the book, but it's not, and that pisses me off. And then they sail into space. Yeah, right, and that should be After the end of the book. a fucking really long fucking <laughs> description of floating off into space. Uh-huh. Uh, but then, then it uh, feeds immediately into the next book. But I don't care. But again, that should be the end of the book, because it's the evolution of fantasy into just fucking becoming science fiction. Fine, whatever. That's a through line. Yeah. And then it picks back up with death again, which you did not need, and it's only like two pages, and And I hate it. And death is like, oh, I can't kill you, because, you know, if I kill you... Oh, every time Rincewind is in mortal peril, the spell tries to say itself. And that would be bad, because there's a percentage chance it could destroy the Discworld. It's a very handy MacGuffin. No, it's not Death. That's why he doesn't die. It's Death's underling. And yeah. he is a wizard. And Death de- death himself always comes for wizards. 
even though he's a failed wizard and it's cheap and I hate it and the book didn't need it. it yeah. It's one of those things that absolutely would exist in a first draft that should be cut in editing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, this was an era where shit got published. Yeah, I've seen those dime fantasy novels that are 500 fucking pages. Yeah. And then there are three of them, as if anybody needs that much text for a genre that started eating its own feces really quickly. I don't care for 80s high fantasy. I- I've written 200,000 word novels that need to be split into two novels, and they're not published for a reason. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing wrong with being self-indulgent until you start charging people money for it. Yeah, when I'm asking people for money, that, that shit needs to flow. Mm-hmm. Like the spice. I haven't read those books, and I won't. Don't worry, I'll show you the movie. You can watch the Vagina Mouth uh, cube, <laughs> cube Monster. Uh, I don't want these. Sorry, third stage Guild Lord. <laughs> so, yeah, that's Color of Magic. I feel like we're shooting fish in a barrel because everybody knows it's not good. Even Discworld fans know it's not good, and I respect that. Okay, but I think it's significant to talk about something that is absolute garbage. That's not only not by a woman... But by a man who is deeply respected and deserves the respect he gets. Uh-huh. He became an excellent and important writer. But the His fact first that novel the, sucks. And, and the entire the entire machinery of publishing allowed a first novel that sucks to get out into the world yeah. from this guy. From this straight white man. Meanwhile, the queer community is still eating its own, ensuring that their works never reach the public if they're at all messy or flawed in any way. It's good to critique things. It's bad to jump down the throats of marginalized creators who are trying to do their best. Meanwhile, everybody's jerking off to give straight white men all of the credit for doing the smallest bit of effort, and I'm bitter about it. But that's another conversation. We're getting into the bad phase of drunkenness now. Yeah. We hope you'll join us, uh, obviously, next week for, you know, a resumption of our normal non-intoxicated duties. Yes. Um, don't read Color of Magic. Do read Terry Pratchett's other stuff. I- I'm a fan of Monsters Regiment, uh, particularly. That's that's my favorite one. And Good Omens, obviously. I apologize for that percussive noise. I'm clumsy and drunk. Yes. And I banged the mic. Recommend a book. <sighs> I really, really loved The Truth. The Amazing Morris and His Educated Rodents are re- is really good for younger readers. Um, I love anything about death. Yes. Ha 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 goth but death is a really endearing character and, and i love him as he developed i have the, the feels about death yeah i think that's all about there is to say about color of magic uh thank you for joining us you can always find more episodes of our show or of the movie segment of the show what we do on soundcloud or stitcher or apple podcasts and we'd love it if we could, you could leave a rating and review it helps us out you can always find us on twitter too at trash pod where we love to talk to you and you get the most up-to-date info. And next time, we started with Anne Rice, and God help us, she's putting out another book, so we gotta catch up. Yeah, and um, eventually we hope to start adding a discussion of games. Yes. To our rotation. Look for that in the future. Visual novels are like books, right? Well, yeah. They're certainly easier to talk to talk about while influenced. We're thinking of uh, keeping those under the influence, but a different influence. Hey. If you like us when we're drunk, listen for more screaming about space space alien birds and Anne Rice. God. Fuck. How does this woman keep getting paid? 
Okay. She's a self-perpetuating cycle. Let's stop now. Okay. See you next time, listeners. Take care of yourselves. Bye, everybody. (laughs) I gotta get you to bed.